Are you ready? Yeah. Are you with it? Yeah. Okay, let's go. You know what to do. The whole world's watching and counting on you. And all you people listening out there, everybody, everywhere. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Welcome to Checkered Past, a loving postmodern examination of the Go-Go Check branded comic magazines published by DC Comics between February 1966 and August 1967. I'm Dr. Bob, and each week I'll be your guide on this trippy tour through 535 mid-century masterpieces of graphic noveldom. This week, House of Mystery number 160, cover date July 1966, cover price 12 cents. Cover artist Jim Mooney, edited by Jack Schiff, featuring The Wizard of Light, written by Dave Wood, art by Jim Mooney, and Manhunter's New Secret Identity, written by Jack Miller, art by Joe Serta. Are you ready? Are you with it? Then away we go-go. Welcome to the world of love and laughter, baby. Welcome to the sunshine of a brand new While visiting his cousin, Robbie Reed sees a dam break. The escaping water threatens a small farming community, so Robbie uses his H-dial to save the day. Meanwhile, the Martian Manhunter is recruited by the government to expose a criminal organization known as Vulture. Confused? Don't worry, I'll be right back with Dr. Husband to explain everything. may apply. Sockham and G, what a day. What do you mean? It's all gray and cloudy and yucky. Oh, it's but it's look how green it is. Everything's leafed out. All the trees have leafed out. It's just so beautiful. Is that a saying? Leafed out? Oh yeah, yeah. Like when trees after they bloom up well if you're if you're listening to us down south in the southern United States, we have uh, a about a, a three or four week period where most of the trees blossom and then the blossoms fall off, and the trees do what we call leaf out, which means they other leaves come in. Not all trees go through a blossom and then leafing out. I've n- never heard that uttered. Before. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, I learned it when I came up here from Florida because we, of course, we didn't have anything like that in Florida. Everything was just like wild and crazy. Well, speaking <clears throat> of wild and crazy, <laughs> House of Mystery number 160, starring Robbie Reed, the boy who could change into 1,000 superheroes, including an old new hero, Giant Boy, oh, a new new hero, King Candy, and a new old hero, Plastic Man. Wow. 
Now, you are familiar with Plastic Man. Of course I am. Of course I am. This is the first uh, Silver Age appearance of Plastic Man. Oh, in this? Yes. Oh, wow. Now, Plastic Man was originally published by Quality Comics. Okay. In 1956, DC Comics acquired most of the Quality Comics titles and characters. Okay. Including the Blackhawks. Blackhawks. We are the Blackhawks. Blackhawks. Along with uh, a war comic and a couple of romance comics were the only titles that DC chose to continue publishing. Of all the titles they acquired? Yeah. Wow. And so Plastic Man had not been seen since the early 50s. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Now you also recall uh, Elongated Man in the pages of Flash, and we've seen his solo stories in Detective Comics. Yes. Apparently... Julius Schwartz, who was editing Flash comics, wanted a new character for the Flash, uh-huh. and he wanted a stretchy character, uh-huh. and he wasn't aware that DC owned Plastic Man, and so that's why they created Elongated Man. Well, didn't they all work in one building? Well, that's, yes, and that story's been disputed, oh, okay. so I don't know the veracity of that or not. Okay. Nonetheless, here comes Plastic Man. Welcome, Plastic Man. And apparently he... Uh, did exist in this world because Robbie Reed recognizes him as uh, a hero of long ago. Right. As we will see. Sure. Anyway, let's dial in for blazing action against a dazzling villain, the Wizard of Light. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. Uh, Splash page. Robbie Reed's amazing H dial transforms him into an old new hero, a new new hero, and a new old hero. And the boy... Genius. Boy genius. Must must cleverly utilize each of their incredible powers if there was to be any chance of defeating the fantastic and fearsome menaces of the Wizard of Light. Right. While Gramps and Miss Millie are dropping Robbie off the Littleville bus station. This is so quaint. Could you imagine going to your cousins for the weekend and taking the bus? I'm trying to think if there's any situation where I ever took the bus to my... I never did take the I bus know, to I a relative's house. I took the bus once. I twice. took the bus back and forth to college once. I helped my friend when I was 18. I helped my friend... Or I might have been 19 or 19, perhaps. Um, move to college from community college. So mm-hmm. she was going to... Um, is it Alabama State in uh, in Tuscaloosa, Alabama? Uh, maybe I don't know. Or University of Alabama, probably University of Alabama. I'm sorry, folks. I don't roll tide. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I had never driven a U-Haul before, and oh. we had all of our furniture in a U-Haul, and I drove her to Tuscaloosa and took a bus back. Hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Actually, it was kind of fun. I of course I used to take the bus downtown to go shopping at Lazarus Department Store. <laughs> <laughs> I love this story. On one occasion, I had long hair, and my voice had not transitioned to its adult form yet. And I didn't have a warm overcoat, so I wore my mother's overcoat. <clears throat> and uh, many people inside the Lazarus assumed I was a young woman, because I got <laughs> lots of perfume samples sprayed my face, and I got called ma'am a lot. <laughs> So I got a new coat for Christmas. <laughs> I just pictured you mincing about the, the <laughs> Lazarus and heels and your mother's coat. <laughs> no. Like, Excuse me. Where about I find the hosiery, please? 
Regal Man, have you tried our latest perfume, Passion? Psst, psst. Um, Achoo! Now, Lazarus had a fantastic Christmas window display. Oh, oh, I love the department store window displays. As well as a Santa land on the sixth floor with a talking tree in the middle of it. A talking tree? A talking tree. Was it a robotic tree, like an animatronic I tree? I think so, something okay. like that. And also, you know what else was on the sixth floor? Uh, comics? The Chintz Room... The restaurant. Ch- oh, the chintz room. Yes, very fancy. My goodness. Creamy velvet chicken soup and things like that. Oh, I love creamy velvet chicken soup. So, um, I just, I, I want to say that that him leaving, Robbie Reed leaving to go see his cousin on the mm-hmm. bus, stirred in me nostalgic memories that I never experienced. Right. <laughs> like, just this wonderful feeling of, oh, isn't that neat? You know? Um. I, now, Gramps, as you know, I believe that Gramps and Miss Millie are having some kind of illicit affair. Oh, no doubt. she's a live-in housekeeper. Oh, totally. Robbie Likely. Reed was gone for the weekend. They they totally were having yep. their own adult sort of fun mm-hmm. while he was gone. And there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe she's a divorcee. Right. Or maybe maybe she's a widow. Yes. Yes, and she's considerably younger than he. Not Gramps. Not so much younger. Well, I would say probably 10 years younger. Maybe it's a situation like my Uncle Bob and his 64-year uh, engagement to Kathleen. <laughs> <laughs> they were engaged for 64 years. They never married. Why? Well, because he lived on the farm and she lived in the city and he didn't want to move to the city and she didn't want to move to the farm. But the real reason, it turns out, was... What? Well, first of all, he was a little bit country and she was a little bit rock and roll. Yes. And also in the 1920s, she got pregnant by him and she had an abortion (gasps) and she was afraid that that would be found out if, you know, they had to go do a blood test or whatever to get married. I don't know how it would ever be found out. (sighs) But also it turns out that Kathleen was from a prominent family in town Mm -hmm. and uh, when she was born... Her mother and her older sister had gone on a, you know, European cruise and came back with the baby. It wasn't. She wasn't her mother's baby. She was her sister's baby. Her sister's name was Princess. Goodness. That's small town America, Rob. Uh, uh, Honestly, listener, this is probably the most interesting thing we'll say in the entire (laughs) podcast. You can just fast forward to the end. But let's try. Uh, Robbie's off to his cousin Ned's house. And later that day, in the playroom of his cousin's house, he discovers that his cousin Ned is an aficionado of all these new superheroes that have been turning up. I just thought someday I'm sure I'll weave into the story about my mother's uh, being adopted and being a black market baby. Oh, yes. But we'll have to wait for an orphan story to really reveal that. Right, right, right. A teaser. I'm not going to do that now. Well, Robbie's an orphan. Oh, he is? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not, I still don't want to. Okay. I, I want to save it for some other time. We yeah. really dropped some that awesome needs, family gossip that today. That needs to be a centerpiece Absolutely. story. Yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, Ned has all kinds of pinups of these new superheroes that he's putting up on his wall. Mm-hmm. Like these we are queer. To, <laughs> <laughs> we used to cut out a Tiger Beat magazine, right? Well, uh, you probably didn't. I had pictures of Dungeons and Dragons characters. And okay. Stuff. No, I didn't. I had action figurines. I didn't have any pictures. No, I didn't have any pictures of them. What wall. are you? Are you having a stroke or something? <laughs> Sockamajee, wouldn't Ned flip if he knew that Robbie was all of those superheroes? Now here comes Susie, who Robbie has a crush on. She's Ned's friend. Okay. 
Is she older, do you think? She looks like she could be a little bit older. I don't... Well, she... She's developed. She's developed, yes. And she looks slightly taller. But and then, I don't know, the, that last panel at the bottom of page two, she doesn't look taller. Because um, you know, at this age, at this age, right? right. I'm, I'm figuring what, Robbie Reed's probably what, 15? Oh, I'd say 13. 13? Yeah. At this age, if she's 14 and he's 13, mm-hmm. she's not even looking at him. Oh, no. No. You know? But uh, she's just dropped around to see if Ned had an extra pinup of Mighty Moppet. I hate that name so much. Mighty Moppet. <laughs> yeah. Moppet is like a sort of a slang term for a kid. Yeah. So stupid. Um, Robbie is smitten. And Susie announces that she doesn't have a special favorite. She likes all superheroes. Which is good news for Robbie because he is all, all the superheroes. superheroes. Um Ned breaks it up that we have no time for girls. We've Break got it to, up now. Got to go do some rock hunting, which is the purpose of Robbie's trip to see his cousin. Right. So maybe Ned hasn't, uh, his teenage hormones haven't completely right. kicked in all the way yet, where you think of nothing but spending time with, for most people, the opposite sex. Yes. Well, unless. What? Ned's fascination with spending time with Robbie is another form of. Expression. Well, I have some theories about that based on some of the dialogue in this issue, but I don't know that it's <clears throat> proper for a family show. Okay. Uh, Robbie, uh, at the last minute, as heading out the door, invites Susie to accompany them to the fair the and next she day. Yes. Shortly in Rocky Hill Country, Ned and Robbie are looking for rocks. And uh, they split up to go look for the choicest rocks. And minutes later, there's a dam break. Yeah. And a tidal wave of water heading straight for that farming community down below. How did he climb? He's literally climbed like 5,000 feet in the space of one panel. <laughs> you know how long it takes to climb up Mount Helena? Yes. In a flash, Robbie yanks out the H dial and dials H-E-R-O and becomes Giant Boy. Couldn't he do speed dial? Does he have to really, you know, it says, like a flash, Robbie hands... Uh, hand snaps out the secreted H dial in his pocket and finger swings into action. <laughs> well, they didn't have push button phones then. Got to they? dial H. Uh, got to dial into a superhero and fast H E R O. Could he do speed dial? I mean, why, why did it have to be four buttons? They're not buttons. It's a dial. Oh, it's a, it's dial. a rotary dial. Good night. Um, now you wouldn't know this, but but Robbie has been Giant Boy before. I thought he could only be one superhero one time. That's what we all thought. Wow. But Giant Boy was actually his first transformation in his first story, which happened in the issue immediately before it was go-go checked, which is why we haven't seen it before. Mm. But yes, everyone thought this is a complete surprise. I guess they ran out of ideas <laughs> that day. Who knows? <laughs> and they couldn't come up with another superhero that could turn giant, sure. like giant. Mr. Mammoth, or does he always uh, turn into a male gender? Yes. Okay. Now, Susie will get a hold of the age dial one of these days. She will not, and turn into a superheroine gem girl. Yes. Unfortunately, it happens in the issue immediately after the go-go checks go away, so we'll never see it. Oh, okay. Um, and you know, in the 1980s. The concept was 
revitalized, and there were two age styles, and there were two characters, a boy and a girl. So okay. they could, and that allowed readers to send in their own ideas for superheroes. Very exciting. Giant Boy surveys the area and uh, realizes there's no chance of evacuating Farm Town. So he leaps down into an abandoned quarry, mm-hmm. chucks up some of the old square cut granite rocks, and forms a perfect wall. Yes, which divides the water into a you know convenient gullies. Yes, just like Moses and the Red Sea. Oh Moses! You know, I, I was thinking about this when I was reading it. I mean, he he must have expert throwing abilities because he throws the. The, the the pre-cut blocks from the quarry over the mountain into the area to create a new dam mm-hmm. in such a way that he forms a perfect wall. Mm-hmm. If I were to do that, I'd be lucky if I could get them <laughs> in the right area, and I'd probably just create a big, big mess. Right. You know, I mean, it might slow down some of the water, but mostly the people would see me afterwards after doing it, and they'd say, what the hell have you done? I, you made a big mess. Yes, and you're very likely to just chuck a giant boulder on top of someone's house, right? <laughs> sure. Well, would you do any better than that? No. No. I'm impressed. Um, an instant later, the farmers spot giant boy soaring through the air. I guess he can fly, too. Mm. Uh, and Hard they, to miss him. He's quite large. He's giant. Yes. But also he's a Rob, boy. Yes, Rob. He's a giant. <laughs> Um, just then giant boy hears an explosion from that private lab over on top of the mountain. Uh, the police are already there announcing that even giant boy won't be able to help Dr. Drago because he's trapped inside and there's a cloud of gas between the rescuers and him. Dr. Drago. That's a menacing sounding name. That yes. doesn't sound like a very good name. Uh, so the, the police detect, uh, seem to understand that the gas is poisonous. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> Giant Boy says it's worth the risk. Maybe he hasn't breathed in enough of the gas yet. He bursts through, hoping that his super lungs will be immune to the poison. Mm. He rescues Dr. Drago, mm-hmm. brings him outside. Crashes through the top of the building. Crashes through the top of the building. And then he tense becomes... seconds later. Tense seconds later... Giant Boy has been overwhelmed by the poisonous gas fumes and topples off the cliff into the river below. Now, this is something I don't understand. What? Well, he, Robbie, a giant boy who's Robbie Reed, yeah. who's actually inside or, or is Giant Boy temporarily, mm-hmm. he's struggling to breathe because the gas has poisoned him and is tearing his lungs apart. Right. right. He wants to dial H for Hero backwards so he can be come back to Robbie Reed mm-hmm. so that he isn't discovered dead as Giant Boy. Right. Well, so so not just discovered dead, but actually so he doesn't die. Is he... Where's Robbie Reed? Is he just in another dimension? Is he, well, isn't he sharing the same physical body as the heroes? That's very unclear. Right? Because as soon as you'll see on the next page, when he does come back mm-hmm. as Robbie Reed, he's fine. Right. Doesn't make sense. And he also wonders if the next time he becomes Giant Boy, if, if he will be, still be suffering from the right. poisonous effects of the gas. So what does that mean? Does a Giant Boy just like go into some sort of parallel dimension? 
Is he like is well, he tucked away inside the the H box with the hero box uh, like a pill you, like a pill dispenser? Uh, mm, I don't know. It actually is not confusing to me in the least. Like that makes perfect sense to me that if you're transformed into a different being that and you're injured that by transforming back to the original person you'd be fine. So if his arm was pulled off and yeah. if he didn't transform back into Robbie Reed, he'd have his arm back. Yeah. I'm serious. So, so is it just Robbie Reed's consciousness is the only thing that is preserved? I think so. Where does Robbie go? Well, I don't know. Where does Billy Batson go when he turns into Captain Marvel? I don't know, like a lounge room? <laughs> uh, the the Marvel version of Captain Marvel, or Marvel for a while, it was a situation where <clears throat> the the boy would had magic bracelets or something that he'd slam together and then he'd be transported to this other dimension and the Captain Marvel would come. But they had some kind of shared consciousness or something. I don't know. Okay. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Um, but yeah. Isn't, I, I mean, am I the only person that ever thinks about those sorts of things? I'm sure you're not, but it just doesn't, like I never pursued it doggedly like you are. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's not the same physical being because, you know, he became that octopus man a couple of issues ago. And I didn't think that Robbie Reed had actually transformed into an well, octopus. I figured that the H, the hero box powers had in, in, enabled the ability of immediate transformation and mutation and then immediate uh, reversal of that transformation and mutation. I, I don't know. Okay. Well, yes, and if it's reversing the transformation, then it would go back to the original form, which was not poisoned. Hmm. Okay, I guess I just sort of answered my own question, didn't I? Well, I don't know. It's worth uh, further study, I think. Speaking of noticing unusual things. Do I have a booger or something? No, <laughs> no I want to point out something. Yes? It's a Sunday afternoon. Uh-huh. We're doing our podcast. We're in a normal place here by the window, yes. sitting at our table on the second floor of the house. Mm-hmm. And what don't you see or hear? Lawnmowers, because it's raining. Right. Right. So it's another good thing about today. Oh. Yeah. I'm grateful for all of our blessings. <laughs> Especially the fact that Robbie Reed is now swimming back to Ned's house. Uh, I thought he would turn into some sort of aqua-long creature. Explains that... Now, Robbie does look older than 14 here. He's kind of a... We called it husky in my day. <laughs> <laughs> I wore husky jeans. A full-figured teen i did i wore husky jeans too mm -hmm. and you get iron on patches yeah um ned's watching the news where it's announced that giant boy has been killed presumably yeah. because of course no one saw him transform back into robbie reed nonetheless ned's overwhelmed with grief but uh robbie says well now it's time for us to go to the fair so <laughs> right and that's so Susie. unbelievable he goes He's one of the greatest superheroes dead. Gosh, I feel rotten. He says, gulp. This is like attending my own funeral. And then Robbie says, snap out of it, Ned. <laughs> he's, Ned's really feeling sadness for the death of a hero. Yeah. And he's like, snap out of it. We'll have a good time at the fair tomorrow. Tomorrow. So snap out of it today. We're going to go to the fair tomorrow. And I promised Susie I'd take her along, remember? It's like, dude, I'm really sorry you're grieving. But snap out of it. We're going to the fair and I have a date. Feelings are like treasures, so, so bury, bury them. them. Next day, this is fun, Robbie. I'm glad you asked me to go with you. I'm sad about Giant Boy, but <laughs> she, she doesn't even say that. 
Now they have a famous Shaw necklace on display here at the mm-hmm. fair. Now my father <laughs> would always take his summer vacation to work at the Ohio State Fair. That's true. And we would, uh, the children would each get a day where they could go and ride around in his golf cart with him around the fairgrounds, and where he would talk to all the cattlemen and Uncle Sam on stilts and carnies, whatnot. All the you know, carnies. I, I never remember a famous Shaw necklace being on display. They did have a butter cow. Did they really? Oh, yeah. A cow made of butter. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big attraction. Wow. Um, anyway, a monster appears with cloven hooves <laughs> and a devil tail. I just picture your father. What? Riding around in that cart, patrolling. Yeah. The grounds. Uh-huh. He didn't do a lot of patrolling. He just did a lot of talking to oddball characters. Uh, now another monster appears to fight the demon creature. Robbie sneaks away to use his age style and turns into... King Candy. King Candy. Two Ks. Candy with a K. This character is ridiculous. I so stupid. don't understand his costume. I mean, I understand that it's meant to look like candy, but I don't know why his torso is drawn in such a way as if he's wearing like a barrel. Oh, it's supposed to be a peppermint stick. Well, wouldn't you think we'd understand that owing to the fact that his entire costume is red and white striped? I guess. And he's got like those little peel-off uh, LSD buttons. Oh, Jesus. Let's just get chest. through this. Just turn the page. It's such a stupid character. And a lollipop crown. It's awful. At the very least, the, the good thing he does is that he, you know, King Candy yeah. uh, sees through the fact that these creatures that are attacking each other are just illusions. Right, because he throws a lollipop bomb. And it goes right through the creature. Right. And explodes. And he does use his... Licorice lasso mm-hmm. to um, to get the Shaw pearl necklace. Yes, yeah. uh, which is being someone is attempting to steal it <clears throat> while these illusions are happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gets the necklace with his licorice lasso, and then throws some uh, gumdrop, some kind of something that obscures the vision of the getaway driver. They're gumdrops on the windshield. But they're like splat, like they spread out when they hit the windshield. Uh, Now, a taffy twist should tie them up in knots until the police arrive, but uh, the ringleader of the criminals leaps out of the car and uh, flashes a bright light ray gun in King Candy's eyes. If you were to be tied up in taffy uh and you had to eat some of it, Uh what flavor would you like? Caramel. I was going to say maple. Oh, no, I can't stand maple. You can't? Flavored. No. What? Mm, no, no. No. That's like the worst things when you get those maple-filled chocolates. Yes, they're fantastic. No, they're... Uh, ugh. So I guess you don't like buttercream chocolates either? I like buttercream, as long as it's not maple-flavored. It's awfully close to maple-flavored. No, it isn't. It's butter and cream. It's very sweet. Which is... Yes, I like sweet things. I just don't like maple. Well, so you don't Unless like, it's you don't maple like, syrup. What about maple cream? So you don't like maple cream? Chocolates with maple cream? I do not like anything that's flavored like maple except actual maple syrup. I I don't know why I didn't know that. I don't either. Is that why you keep buying me Whitman samplers full of maple creams <laughs> for Valentine's Day? 
so I can have some for myself. <laughs> the criminals get away, but at least King Candy has the Shaw necklace. Mm-hmm. And he gets a kiss from Susie. Oh, my. I wonder if his skin tastes like maple cream. She does look like she's kind of licking his face. She actually does. Like yeah. Almost like she's taking a bite out of his face. <laughs> <laughs> his crown's stupid. Shortly. Lollipops uh, on the crown. Okay. He, uh, Robbie slips we're away and turns back to normal. We're moving on. <laughs> oh, no. I'd, if you'd like to continue talking about when I mentioned his crown earlier, you told me to turn the page. <laughs> I thought we were... We're done. Done with that. All right, let's move on. Uh, Robbie sneaks away to turn normal, but he uh, wants to make sure that he's on patrol in case this gang strikes again. Of course. Which they do. In the Valley City Business District, they fire some kind of gun, which turns everything weightless. An anti-gravity gun. That's pretty cool. The police are floating. Mailbox is floating away. This uh, villain who's introduced himself as the Wizard of Light is uh, going to rob the armored vehicle, which is now floating above the business district. Did they have like a glossary of fictitious scientific things that that they could do, different kinds of weapons that they that they all sort of agreed upon? Or, or did, did, would the writers just make them up for each thing? I don't know. I actually feel like we've seen some kind of anti-gravity attack in the pages of... Maybe it was Martian Manhunter that had... There was an anti-gravity thing. Okay. So uh, anti-gravity would seem to be a common villainous trope. Sure. Uh, Robbie hears a radio report. <laughs> Uh, and the eerie light right in the Valley City business district is floating everything in the air. Eerie lights. That must be the Wizard of Light. Right. This is just what I've been waiting for. Dashing to a wooded area, Robbie whips the H tile from his pocket, spins the decoded letters, and... Huh? I've become Plastic Man, that famous crime-fighting hero of years ago. I can stretch and transform into a billion different shapes and things. Remember the Plastic Man cartoon show? Yeah. Did you remember the live-action segments where it had an actor playing Plastic Man? No. I didn't either until I was just... I saw it on Twitter the other day. I'll show it after the podcast. All right. Yeah, I had no memory of it whatsoever, but seeing it, I sort of think... Like, he would just do, like, Hi, kids, welcome to Plastic Man show. Really? Was it Slim Good Body? No. Uh... What was the actor's name? Mark Taylor or something. Not Rip Taylor. Not Rip. No. <laughs> but that would have been Hi, fantastic. <laughs> would you like to see me stretch something? <laughs> How's that for a topper? That's Charles Nelson Riley. Oh, sorry. Uh, Basically the same kind of character. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you had to choose between Rip Taylor and Charles Nelson Riley having lunch with, who would you rather have lunch with? Charles Nelson, Charles Nelson Riley. Riley. Oh, yes. Good. Um, he, Plastic Man, turns himself into a slingshot and flies to the city. Okay. Um, he descends into the anti-gravity field mm-hmm. and starts floating away. But, of course, he can stretch his arms. And so his arms continue with their momentum down to the street of the city where he 
grabs up the Wizard of Light and a flunky. And smacks him. Smacks him together. <laughs> Bonk! Uh, that doesn't last forever, though. He's being pulled back up. Mm-hmm. Um, Plastic Man notices that the Wizard of Light and the henchman both lost their protective goggles. Oh. However, only the henchman is floating into the anti-gravity beam. The wizard seems immune. Yes. Hmm. Things are starting to add up. I know who the Wizard of Light is, and I'll nail him as soon as I'm free of this anti-gravity trap. And I know where we're going with this story, but I'm not quite sure when he reveals how he added it all up in the end. I read it, and I went, I don't know if I agree with that deduction. So, Plastic Man turns himself into a ball once the anti-gravity beam wears off. Mm -hmm. Turns himself into a ball and bounces. Because bouncing's faster than running or driving. Yes, obviously. Um, to the villainous hideout, which he has discovered. And uh, punches out the guard who's guarding the house. Heads inside where the Wizard of Light is dispensing with the same poisonous gas that finished off Giant Boy. Right. One whiff and you're finished, Plastic Man. And he says he's right. This gas nearly killed me as Giant Boy. But Giant Boy couldn't stretch his neck over the top of the cloud of gas because, as everyone knows, gas sinks to the floor. <laughs> no, that's wrong. Gas rises. <laughs> well, it depends upon the gas, and it depends upon the atmospheric conditions, whether or not there's, you know, colder air or warmer air. You know, the thing, the whole thing about, like, um, gas warfare is um, it can really hurt a lot of people not intended to be affected by the gas. That's why they outlawed gas warfare. Not only that, because it was just... It's a horrible, horrible, destructive thing to do. Right? Yes, After yes. World War One. Yes. Yeah. Um, save it for a war comic. Okay. Uh, so here's the uh, reveal. When I saw the wizard was immune to the anti-gravity light without those goggles, I recalled Dr. Drago's miraculous escape and realized he must have been immune to the gas fumes that finished Giant Boy... So I put two and two in together and realized that you, Dr. Drago, are the Wizard of Light. You feel like you're missing a piece of information. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like the Slylock Fox comic strip where there's a mystery every week. Yes, and? Well, they'll do things like, uh, you know, someone's toothbrush has been stolen. Uh-huh. And he has to, Slylock has to figure out who did it. Uh And they'll be like, they'll have like the criminal lineup. And they'll be like a turtle, uh, an owl, and a rat. Okay. It was the rat. Why do you say that? Because it's the rat. Rats always steal things. Well, that's not the the reason they give in the comic strip. They'll say it was the rat because turtles and owls don't have teeth. (laughs) But this is a comic strip full of anthropomorphic animals. Who are wearing clothes and interacting in society, driving cars and things. So no child detective would immediately think, oh, it's the rat, because only the rat has teeth. (laughs) Am I right? Yes, you are. 
Later, after turning the criminals over to the police and dialing back to normal, Robbie Reed returns to his cousin's house where Susie is already there waiting for him. Oh, my. You missed all the excitement, Robbie. Plastic Man captured the wizard. Don't you wish you could become a superhero when you grow up? He says, I don't know, Susie. It could be pretty dangerous. Yeah, you're right. You almost died in this Yeah, and everybody's forgotten about Johnny Boy. Yeah, well. Already. That's because there are plenty of superheroes to go around. I'll say. Now, we have another story here, Rob. Okay. An exciting new change of direction for our old pal John Jones. John Jones. The Manhunter from Mars. Are we going to say anything about the way he's riding that torpedo on the splash uh, It's very suggestive, isn't it? Very, uh, very suggestive. Phallic. The way that he's, he's holding it, the way he's straddling it, and the look on his face. Mm-hmm. I couldn't help. I, I usually sort of let these things go by, right. but I saw it and I went, oh, Dear. <laughs> um, well, it's new and it's different. That's true. John Jones. The fantastic crime-fighting career of the Manhunter from Mars takes a sensational turn as the alien ace pits brains and brawn against the most sinister criminal organization on Earth. The dread international society known as Vulture. Read the amazing story behind Manhunter's, Manhunter's new secret, secret identity. identity. Yeah, um... That is a very suggestive pose. It's almost like he's going, mm-hmm. <laughs> isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, this art by Joe Serta. I still don't like the. There's something about the way he draws arms and legs. They're disproportionately so peculiar. Yeah. Also, the yacht that you see pictured there. Yeah. That looks more like a pleasure yacht than what you'll see later on in the story, where it looks. Like a fishing boat. Because of the outriggers. Oh. Mm -hmm. This doesn't look anything like a pleasure yacht to me. It looks like a tugboat or something. (laughs) Anyway, in the vault-like headquarters of a special security department, Manhunter listens grimly to a startling revelation. All we know about this worldwide criminal organization, Manhunter, is its name and and insignia, Vulture, which, as you know, is a deadly bird of prey. No. (laughs) No, we don't know that because it's actually not true. Listener, I heard Dr. Husband reading this story and he actually exclaimed aloud when he got to this panel. I said, I yelled from the other side of the house, that's a lie! A vulture vulture is not a bird of prey. No. Well, maybe they're... Maybe this mystery department in the government is in on it and they're just assuming that... Martian Manhunter doesn't know anything about Earth animals. Oh. Maybe they're trying to trick him. Which, as you know, is a deadly bird of prey. Now, vultures are scavengers. Yes. Yes. What are you looking up there? Well, I was wondering if vultures actually could be considered birds of prey. Well, uh, while you look that up, Uh I will continue on. You mean, the Manhunter says, you haven't a single lead to the criminals operating vulture? No. But I ask you to look at Marco Xavier, the internationally famous playboy. We've recently learned that he's been linked with some underworld characters. Xavier has no friends or relatives. He's a mystery man and lives alone in a posh Mediterranean villa. And he's our one and only possible lead. It's a tough assignment, Manhunter, but we're counting on you to crack the organization. Now, I believe this is the first time we've seen Martian Manhunter uh, as a agent of the government right right it is 
He's operated independently in his secret identity of police detective John Jones. May I report on my sleuthing? Oh, please do. My amateur sleuthing. Mm -hmm. Vultures are birds of prey, but they're scavengers. They aren't hunters, killers. They're scavengers. So uh, the descriptor, a deadly bird of prey, would be inaccurate. Yeah. I mean, perhaps one who observed a vulture would know that that you often see vultures eating dead things. Mm -hmm. So maybe the idea of the writer saying a deadly bird of prey would give weight or a sense of ominous fear to a creature that is mostly associated with eating dead things. And I guess you would consider it deadly if you yourself were near death and a vulture descended to pluck your eyeballs out or something. Like in Conan the Barbarian. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the dawn hours of the next morning, the Martian Manhunter speeds high in the skies over the Atlantic on what is destined to become one of his most astonishing and perplexing cases. He arrives at the villa of Marco Xavier, which is shielded from trespassers. Right. He has, which, which, you know, I had to, because what's happening here? Um, what is this? Uh, Xavier says to his butler, I guess, Jeffers, mm-hmm. I'm taking the drag out for a spin. I'll be back in a few hours in case anyone calls. Which is not something you usually say to your butler or housekeeper at the gates to your estate. Also, uh, the government thinks he lives alone, but clearly the butler lives there. Yes. Yeah. Huh. But I think it's clever that the Martian Manhunter has is, is, uh, disguised himself as an old hermit <laughs> walking yeah. in front of a special estate. That's a, something a, you... In front of a very uh, wealthy estate. Well, you know, it is the Mediterranean. Maybe he's disguised as one of the Romani people. Ooh. Uh, I would think he might disguise himself as a child with the ball. You know? Or uh, maybe just disguise himself as just a normal person walking down the street and yeah. not a hermit crunched over with a cane and a overcoat carrying and a paper grocery with a bag. long long beard or carrying a paper with a baguette and celery sticking yes. out of the top. Yes, I'm going to disguise myself and walk in front of this villa, which is presumably in a very fancy neighborhood, and I'm going to be as conspicuous as possible. <laughs> uh, the high-powered sports car roars past the old beggar, transforms back into the Martian Manhunter, and takes off in the air above the car. But only minutes later, as Manhunter clears a mountain peak, the car <laughs> plummets off the road. Oh my gosh. I cannot believe, as powerful as Martian Manhunter is, that he could not do anything right. to save uh, this man. Nothing. He, Yes, not even Manhunter's blinding speed... Can save the doomed man. Well, it could have if you really wanted it. Martian Manhunter. I mean, he's just like flying over and he goes, oh, jeez. Oh, too bad. Um, he must have died instantly, Manhunter thinks. He's not going to go anywhere near that fire. No, you might want to. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Martian Manhunter is. I remember. That's very good. I'm so proud of w you. Gold Star. Uh-huh. Something like that. Thank you. Martian Manhunter is uh, terribly weakened. By fire. Yes. So he can't go check out the crash site until the fire dies down. No, he just to sort of observe and intuit. Um, mm. Lots of fire, lots of flames. I'm <clears> sure he didn't survive. Mm. So you know what? I hear a car coming. I'm just going to transform myself into Marco Xavier because, as you know, Martian Manhunter can change his shape. Shape, indeed. Uh, he's holding on to a tree branch that's jutting out of the 
Cliff face. Help, help. <laughs> Sacre bleu. It is Monsieur Xavier. Hurry with the rope. Good one. Luckily for him, he leaped from his car just as it went over. Oh, no, I can't. No, I can't do that now. And managed to grab hold of the tree branch. Exactly what I hoped you would think, exactly. gendarme. Shortly after, what happened? Yeah, so he's faking He seems uh, to be suffering shock. from shock and amnesia. Next morning, back in the villa, he's reading the local newspaper. Fame Playboy miraculously saved. Which... Uh, also, I'm assuming this is somewhere on the French coast, mm-hmm. but luckily they have an English language newspaper. Well, they need us up. as the readers to read it. Uh, by the way, I guess they didn't find a body. No, no. I guess not. <laughs> it must have gotten crisped away. Well, Manhunter does say death must have occurred instantly and there won't be much left of him after that blaze dies down. Oh, okay. So okay. I guess they didn't have forensic investigators in the 1960s on the, on coast, the French of coast French. No. Now, uh, the Manhunter quickly memorizes every word found in the late mystery man's letters and papers. I wish I had a photographic memory. Do you, though? Oh, yes. Because I've heard that's a bother for people, that they because they literally can't forget anything. And so their brain gets jumbled up with facts and figures. And, oh, does it? Yeah. Oh. It's like people with perfect pitch say it's not as great as it's cracked up to be. I wouldn't know. Same. Uh, I'm so he's got a visitor, Senor Mendez. Oh, maybe we're not in France. Maybe we're in uh, Spain. I don't don't really know. I don't either. We're in the, Med- we're in the Mediterranean. Yes. Uh, Region. <laughs> this visitor, Senor Mendez, is very happy that you survived your accident, mm-hmm. Senor Xavier. To come to the point, I wish you to discover for me which one of his ships Apollo Magnus is using very soon to transport a large gold shipment. Mm -hmm. Manhunter realizes that he has an invitation right there. Because he's been memorizing all of his papers. Mm -hmm. An invitation to attend a formal party at his home this very evening, the home of Apollo Magnus, who's probably a criminal. Mm -hmm. No no doubt. This is excellent. And here's the advance you always insist on. $10,000. The balance, of course, when you have the information, call me at the number jotted on the top bill. <laughs> Just call me at that number on the on the money. What number is it? H E R. Um. So, Manhunter goes undercover. I, I love well, that, he says, he... that he says uh, some charity is going to get a surprise donation of ten thousand dollars. You know, he's assumed the identity of this man who's just died. He has no idea what his bills are like. He right. Probably, he might be able to need that. He might need that $10,000 to pay his taxes. Have you seen how much it costs to heat and cool a Mediterranean villa? No, we can ask Joel, what's his face, that preacher. Uh, Joel Osteen? Yeah, Does Joel he have Austin. a Mediterranean villa? He has a villa. But is it a Mediterranean villa? Because those are very particular costs. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I have a friend who lives in Portugal? Um uh, yes. 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 And she, she and her husband moved from Canada to Portugal, and they have a beautiful house. Do they have a guest room? Sure. Let's find out. Okay. Uh, Senor Mendez drives off, and Manhunter tracks him to uh, some kind of a carnival using his power of invisibility. I would love to be invisible. Invisibility and photographic memory. Okay. Next moment, 
Just as Manhunter suspected, there's a trap door leading underground mm-hmm. where he goes, follows Senor Mendez down, and arrives at a crucial moment. A masked man with a vulture insignia. No, may, may I pause for a second? Uh huh. Can't the Martian Manhunter also phase through objects? He can, and but I don't know if that was established yet at okay. this point. Okay. Um, he can also read minds, so this whole storyline could have been gone a lot sooner. Okay. All right. Uh, so this masked figure is wearing a potato sack over his head. <laughs> but he also has a vulture insignia. And this is Mr. V, apparently the leader of Vulture. Of course. I kind of wish Vulture was an acronym for something. Like, yeah. uh, who'd Aquaman fight? The uh, octopus? No, what was it called? Oh, somebody's screaming in their radio right now. <laughs> um. Or Cockman fought Caw, Criminal Alliance of the World. Okay, yeah. Vulture would, would there would have to be a lot of words. I think uh, Aquaman fought Orca or Ogre or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I just wish Vulture was an anagram, an acronym. Why are you smiling? Very ugly, large, terrorist, <laughs> regional entrepreneurs. You forgot one you. Oh, very, oh, yeah. very ugly, ugly large, large terrorism, terrorism underground regional, regional espionage. Regional espionage. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, so they have made contact with crewmen aboard every ship scheduled for sailing, but in vain. We've made contact with every <laughs> ship scheduled for sailing. Yes. That's a lot of work. In the Mediterranean. They probably have someone working at the watch for the Coast Guard watch, which does track every ship. that's a clever Uh thing. Okay. So, uh, Senor Mendez announces that he's just enlisted the aid of Marco Xavier to try to find out information about this gold shipment that's being shipped out. Mm -hmm. Um, Mr. V says that's very clever. Marco Xavier has refused to join us, but he is dependable for these missions okay just remember section t2 time grows short what's section t2 well as we will come to learn every cell of vulture is separate from the other cells so they don't know who mr v is they don't know where he's located and they don't know where the other cells are so the t2 is the section t2 is their specific cell's name okay 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 i actually like this story manhunter uh decides to continue playing along he could arrest this whole group right here but then he would not lose his, to, he'd lose his lead on the vulture right. the leader of the vulture so he shows up to this party as marco xavier at the home of apollo magnus mm-hmm. um apparently all the girls are crazy about him well he's a wealthy bachelor he's a very wealthy bachelor right He's apparently played the field a bit because all these ladies know him and are recalling moonlit evenings mm-hmm. on board yachts and He's things. He's quite the player. So uh, Marco suggests, I'll put Marco in quotes because it's Martian Manhunter. Mm-hmm. Marco suggests that uh, a weekend yachting trip might do him some good. How about taking me aboard your yacht this Ooh, weekend? Ooh, but. 
uh, or I'd love to, uh, but I, uh, I'm otherwise engaged. Right. I promised the yacht to another friend who is taking it out at dawn on Saturday. So he says, my hunch was right. Obviously Magnus isn't using his regular ships to transport the gold or Vulture would know. And the way Magnus just nervously turned me down means he's using his own private yacht to transport the gold. Eureka. There's an exclamation point at the end of that. Yes. yes. Later back at the villa. Uh, Mirko <laughs> dials a number and ah. gets a hold of Senor Mendez and delivers the information. And Senor Mendez says, "It looks like I'll have a busy weekend." And Marco Xavier says, "Same, same." So, Manhunter on early Saturday morning mm-hmm. takes off flying above the Mediterranean. Mm-hmm. No sign of any bandit ship around. No, nope. but. As he, his vision penetrates, his Martian vision penetrates the water below the surface, he sees a submarine. The submarine is going to attack the yacht. Now look at the yacht. Do you see the yacht uh-huh. on the on the periscope? Uh-huh. Does it not look like it has side outriggers for fishing? Yep. Yeah. Well, maybe he's a hobby fisherman. No, it's not. It's not a pleasure yacht. You don't do it like that. Nope. Uh, have you ever owned a pleasure yacht? Uh, I, no, of course not. But I, I, I know what I'm talking about. Okay. I worked on a cruise ship. True. Okay. But it was a river cruise. It was not a river cruise. It was it was a cruise ship that went into the ocean, but it had a shallow draft, just a 15-foot draft, so we would go into, into bays and into freshwater rivers that would access the ocean, and we would do inland and, and, and all sorts of cruises. So, I mean, it was we had, could, we had 300 passengers on our ship. Uh, okay. Did we have that many passengers? I don't know. I don't remember. Nobody's arguing that with you. Next moment. Yeah, and that's about as interesting as the entire story gets about the cruise ship. The submarine fires a missile, and we come to the scene which we witnessed on the splash page. Martian Mantenter astride the missile in a very suggestive way. Mm-hmm. Not as it's, this is the next page, the top of the next page. Yeah. He, yeah Manhunter is... has turned the torpedo back on the submarine. Which frightens the crew, of course. Right. And then he diverts it down to the bottom of the ocean. Yeah, because he's just going to pull the submarine out of the water and rip it open. Rip it open right on the beach. um, He grounds the sub, rips it open. The criminals inside fire a gun, but of course Martian Manhunter is impervious to gunfire. Mm -hmm. So... The criminals announce they have failed. Manhunter says, in a way, I've failed too, because these are the same four I could have captured earlier, and now I've lost my lead. Indeed. Manhunter demands to know who is the faceless man, where is headquarters, and this is what your point you brought up earlier. We don't know. Each section is kept separate. Only Mr. V himself contacts us secretly. Right. Yes, Good thing I had my eyes on you, Mendez, and followed you from your booth hideout to your sub. And that he tells them to prevent yeah. them from suspecting that Marco Xavier double-crossed them. Yes. So does um, Martian Manhunter have the ability? He has he has tele, tel, telepathy. Mm-hmm. He can read minds. He can fly. He later on he he can phase through things. He can yes. become invisible. Yes. I'm assuming he also has telekinesis. I'm sorry, uh, tele- yeah, telekinesis. He can move things with his mind or not? No. Oh. Not that I recall. Okay. 
Um, and I don't know that the telepathy has been established yet either. Okay. All right. I assume it has, but yeah, he basically has Superman powers, although he can also turn invisible. And, and it, but his walk. weakness is fire. Weakness is fire. Yes. Yeah. And it, you said it makes him weak. Actually, he's deathly afraid of fire. Right? Yes. He's afraid, and it makes him weak. And well, I mean, because of the fear, or actually the the presence of like fire actually has a like kryptonite with with. Superman, because I would say, I, from all I know now, of course, you've been reading Martian Manhunter for 100 years, yeah. but from what I know, it's a psychological weakness, not a physical weakness. Yes. Now, that was established long after this story was written. Okay. Um, yes, he comes from Mars, <clears throat> but what we find out in later years is that he was not only pulled through space, but also through time. So he lived on Mars thousands of years in the past, mm -hmm. and there was some kind of terrible plague, and they had to burn the corpses and streets, and so that created a psychological okay. fear of fire. Yeah. I think. I've probably got that wrong, but it sounds good to me. Someone will tell us. So, do you like the Marja Manhunter's New Secret Identity readers? I do. Yeah. It's the first time in a long time that I've been that I've read a comic story and thought, I want to see how this develops. Okay. Well, we will see how it develops. Oh, good. Um, I did read ahead. I know who Mr. V is, but I won't. Don't tell me. Spoil that for you because is you it, like is, surprises. Is it a potato sack mask? Like, does he actually have a face? No, he he is a living potato sack. <laughs> he used to have a face, but it was eaten by a vulture when he was near death, <laughs> and uh, a Romani wizard yes. replaced his eaten face with a potato sack and so he has become an animated Talking evil tree. potato sack yes you should write spoiler i should, should yeah definitely yeah i've been thinking i should write comic stories since i was 12 years old which brings us to my next week's episode which you are going to enjoy what it's the legion of superheroes the triumphant return of the legion of oh, superheroes good with a twist, which I'll oh. reveal next week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you can find us on social media at Go Go Check Pod. You can find Dr. Husband on his own podcast, Liberally Speaking. And you can find us back here next week with the Legion of Superheroes. I'm looking forward to it. Bye. Bye. It's